Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Welcome to Woke AF with me, Danielle Moody. As this month of pride comes to a close, I wanted to call some attention to what is arguably the most forgotten or even vilified letter under the LGBTQ plus umbrella, the T for transgender people. In recent years, there has been a revival of anti-trans bills throughout the United States, especially restricting healthcare and athletics for transgender Americans. Last week, I was joined on my Patreon, which you can join right now at patreon.com slash wokeaf by Ilya Parker, creator of Decolonizing Fitness and participant in Fit For Us. Ilya's mission is to detoxify fitness spaces, and together with these organizations, they are working to make supportive and safe spaces for people of all genders and sexualities. As many of us leave our home gyms and head back into society, it's important to make them better, healthier, and more inclusive spaces for fitness. And Ilya is doing his part to affect change and raise awareness. Once you hear our conversation, I hope you do as well. Ilya, let's talk about how this all came to be. How how fit for us moved from being uh, what I what I have read and learned from like a WhatsApp chat group to an actual organization and why? Absolutely. That's a great question, Danielle. And I'm excited to be here. So I think with any institution, because uh, we need to look at fitness first and foremost as an institution, and historically institutions are usually embedded in white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And so fitness, when we talk about fitness, we talk about a group of individuals that create a culture. And this culture is usually dominated by white cis men, cis men who are able-bodied, who are thin, who are aesthetically pleasing by European beauty standards and so on and so forth. So fitness for fit for us was a call to that, a call to, to so decolonize away from this toxic fitness culture Mm -hmm. into more of a culture that is 
not only carving space for Black folks, but also celebrating Black folks and making sure that we highlight the inequities and do something about it. So I, I love that Fit For Us Now is bringing members of the Black community and fitness and wellness spaces that also exist beyond the typical the stereotypical version of what we think is a personal trainer or a wellness professional. And then you start bringing in the more marginalized voices within the Black community. You know, one of the things I found so interesting as I was reading up on on your work um, and on Fit For Us is, you know, when we think about how Black and brown bodies have been policed, when we think about, you know, you just brought up these European standards of beauty, even with some of the biggest athletes in the world, right? Um, I'm thinking about, you know, Serena Williams and how disrespected her body and just herself has been throughout her career. And thinking about right now, the attacks on trans youth, right? In Florida, in these places where they're saying, oh, transgender girls can't play sports with their peers, right? Which is a really big part of creating community and self-esteem in young people. Can you talk to like your response to this targeting that is happening right now, particularly around trans youth and sports? We've always highlighted the hierarchy that exists in the LGBT community. And because of that hierarchy, we've always positioned what we thought was important for LGBT voices. And throughout that, we've seen an erasure of trans people mm -hmm. and particularly back black trans people. Mm -hmm. So with marriage equality that usually lifted up cis hat assumed or this normative yep. package of what lgb looks like it diminished and further erased trans folks and so now you're seeing an uptick in this type of anti-trans legislation mm. so we we give a direct pushback number one i do want to say that we've constantly been doing this work so people now are understanding because it's hitting more of online spaces social media right everyone is conscious, people want to know, but we've been working against the erasure of trans folks way back when, when cross-dressing laws were in effect. Way back when, even when you go all the way back to enslavement and the legal, the forming of uh, d disrupting the enslavement and then you having the, the slave patrol codes that coming out of that, all folks, Folks who existed beyond the gender binary mm -hmm. had to deal with this type of pollution. So now what we're doing is we're calling attention to that, but we're making sure we let folks know that this hierarchy exists and we have to do away with the hierarchy, even within our community. You know, it's so important that you say that because I was one of um, you know, many people who was on the front lines with regard to marriage equality. And I've been, you know, I worked on the Hill and did uh, various forms of, of policy work on social justice issues throughout my career. But I can remember being on Capitol Hill, and this is, you know, this is many years ago, and them, you know, wanting to create LGBT inclusive legislation 
but having an active conversation about removing the T, removing just let's just focus on LGB. We'll come back. They were saying, and these were, you know, these are politicians, legislators. These are people also within the LGBTQ advocacy space saying, no, 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 we're good. We'll, we'll come back for them. And I remember sitting at a table and saying, no, you won't. You never circle back. We're here right now because you, because of how people have been marginalized, you'd never circle back. And I said, and if you can't within the context of our own community, within the LGBTQIA community, recognize the importance of lifting everyone up, particularly the most marginalized of us. If your responses will, will come back at a, at a later date, like, what does that say, um, about our inclusive inclusivity when we're asking the mainstream cis society, um, to include us and, but we are acting actively excluding trans, um, the trans community from, from the work because it's too hard, right? This, and these were the things, do you feel like there has been any movement in a way to have more inclusivity? Or do you feel like as part of the trans community, you're still fighting to be recognized and seen within the community as a whole? I think that's where I want to bring fit for us back into this conversation, because that's where I see the movement work. Because what happened was when we think about the horrible, dreadful bathroom bills in my home state um, that got a lot of attention for that, it was a lot of grassroots organizing that informed legislative policies that shut that down. A lot of grassroots organizing is happening now to shut down a lot of the anti-trans legislation that we see. And so when we have organizations like Fit For Us that reach to the roots of community, that pull those community members up who've been boots on the ground, myself included, I've been a grassroots organizer for about 15 years now. And so when we merge with organizations where you have the grassroots influence, who really value our lived experience and the work that we do, and then are able to partner with corporations and companies and other major orgs that we never ever be on the radar for, that's where the work, that's where we feel included. And not only included, but literally dismantling these systems. But because we, we can't be included in systems that are rooted in white supremacy. That's never mm -hmm. going to work. You know, in the self article that Fit for Us was uh, profiled in, the conversation part of it was about how following the murder of George Floyd that we all witnessed. And then now the, the trial, which re-traumatized um, many of us. Companies, you know, particularly uh, health and fitness companies ran to declare their, you know, we're, we're anti-racist, like we don't stand for racism. And, you know, it, during Pride Month, they run to put up their rainbows and, and commodify pride, right? Um, how do you make, how do you build the bridge between the commodification that is happening around inclusivity, right? These health companies and fitness companies saying, oh yeah, we're doing these, you know, we're doing the work by putting out their statements, but then it doesn't actually connect back to the instructors that they're employing, the mm -hmm. people that are coming into the classes. So how do you build that bridge between making these very um, 
you know, declarative statements, but then not actually changing structurally and through your policy. We continue to hold them to account and hold them to the fire and essentially tell them to cash in on all the promises they made. And then we show them how to do that when we partner with organizations that are actually doing that work. For example, Fit For Us Now, I have I have the opportunity coming up to uh, be a uh, one of the featured keynote speakers for a diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging panel that's happening with ClassPass. So mm-hmm. when Fit For Us is partnering with these organizations, this puts me in a room with major, major companies who can directly see and learn from the folks who are doing this work. And then we help them build the blueprint. We know this takes time. We help them build the blueprint and we show them what to do and continue to hire us and bring us in these organizations. So it can be done because there's a lot of companies out there that are actually doing the work. It should be more, but it's folks that are out there doing the work now. What does it look like? What does success look like for fit for us? What does it look like to feel in a way we are making progress we are we are denting this very enormous industry right um and changing it for the better that's a great question i think understanding that it's a consistent thing understanding that we are reflective of our community and we actually help to move away from some of the disparities that black and brown folks face, in particular, black folks with multiple intersecting identities of oppression. And also realizing that the onus as a as a collective, especially since we're so rooted in doing the work for black folks, that it always shouldn't fall on our shoulders. Mm-hmm. So success for me also looks like the looks like the partnerships that we're merging with major corporations continue to do the work and elevate us with resources, financing, putting us in the right rooms with folks, continuing to amplify our work as best that they can. Because I I just have to be explicit. We can do this work, but we need help with the greater community. Always. Do you feel like you've had to do, had to do like purposeful education process to explain to people how white supremacy works in this space? Or do you think that folks get it? Right. Because I feel like we're in a space right now um, in so many different ways, still having to explain to people how that one, that white supremacy and white privilege exist, that we're still in that place. And so getting to the actual work of unlearning this behavior, we're, we're not even really on that path because we're still, it's like, I'm trying to convince you still the sky is blue. Well, I can't move into gravity and all of these different facets of the atmosphere and what have you, because I'm still in this like very elementary place. Do you feel like that? Yeah. And I feel like more so, cause I think white folks get it. I know white folks get it. You can't not get it. I think it's more so white folks feeling like we have to be palpable or we have to coddle um, their feelings and make sure it's delivered in a particular way. And so I want to lift up even the privilege that I carry with that as someone who is light-skinned, someone who speaks well, someone who has a little bit of accolades, that white people listen to me a little differently. But I'm saying the same stuff that all my kindred is saying. 
So mm-hmm. I think white folks get it. But once we get past the place of, I want you to deliver it this way in order for me to affirm it and validate your experience, that I'm re- ready and willing to do the work with you in a sustainable way. Those are the conversations we need to, to continue to have. You know, I want to talk about for a minute too, because uh, it's just, you know, it's popped into my mind about how, how has the pandemic played out in the feeling of inclusive inclusivity with working out, right? Like gyms were closed, you know, places where you took classes were closed and then folks were online, right? So the, the anxiety, maybe the fear of having to walk into these spaces and not know, um, how you were going to be treated. Um, did you find that in some ways for, for the community, um, if they were doing this kind of doing health and fitness online, that it was a a better and and safer place to engage. Like, did you did you find like any upsides? I would say to us being inside. Oh, absolutely. You know, because now on a greater scale, fitness institutions, businesses everywhere has been forced to do essentially what my kindred has been doing around the work of disability justice. They've been wanting to make spaces more accessible and providing an online opportunity that's embedded in your practice is making spaces more accessible. And so this is a this is a major shift for the fitness industry because I know a lot of companies have established so much of an online presence now because of the pandemic, they're just keeping that factor. Um, in their business. So that allows for them to support a wide, diverse group of people that they normally wouldn't serve. Uh, So this is great. Yeah, I found that too. You know, I say on the show often that, you know, with obstacles, you know, you, you can look at obstacles as opportunities, right? And the pandemic, you know, presented a lot of obstacles, also showed us a lot of the institutional issues that we kind of just swept under the rug and figured that they would, you know, figure themselves out at some point. Um, And they were exacerbated by the pandemic. But then there was this other side, right, where folks who had been traditionally shut out um, had a way in because everyone was online, Um, and so for folks, you know, who, who have, um, who have, who have disabilities, I thought to myself, you know, this is a tremendous opportunity, right. In, in, to work in different spaces and different places where you have been shut out, right. Not even interviewed, not even, you know, looked at, um, in any type of way. And I've been thinking, you know, too, with regard again to, to queer youth, Right. And the fact that being online and learning online um, decreased the bullying in some. There was new ways of bullying that I that I have heard about, but decreased the pressure, the social anxiety of what it means to kind of show up in the classroom. Um, What do you feel like. The community needs to do in order to continue to uplift the needs and center the needs of trans folks in the health and fitness space and in general? Um, I Really quick, I want to go back to what I just shared. I, I want to be clear that there's still so much work, as you highlighted too, there's still so much work 
um, for those of us who are most marginalized, um, there have been spaces of opportunity. But it's disabled folks in general, we need to continue to do as much as we can to lift them up in fitness and wellness spaces, period. Um, but I, I think the the work continues around being reflective as a practice, as a person, what biases you hold, um, where your sticking points are um, with your exclusivity in fitness. Fitness is um, very, very, a very exclusive industry um, that defines certain people as experts um, that very rarely listens to uh, particular groups. And that's why I created Decolonizing Fitness in the first place to carve spaces for those vulnerable populations who could benefit the most from fitness and wellness services. So it's about being reflective. It's about getting honest with what your practices look like, what your business models are. It's about bringing in the people who can understand and help you without exploiting them. And it's about getting down and doing the work. And it's, it's as simple as that. What is next, Ilya, for um, for fit for us and for um, decolonizing fitness? What can, how can people get involved if they're if they're interested in learning more? If they're folks that are listening to this that want to partner, please. Absolutely. First, you can go to fitforus.org and plug in and become a member. You can follow Fit for Us on social media. Instagram is my favorite. Uh, social media platform. You can follow us there. You can reach out to me directly uh, on, you can reach out to me on my website, decolonizingfitness.com. And I'm always open to answering questions. Uh, so, so become a member of Fit For Us, learn, especially if you're a black fitness and wellness professional. Uh, if you're a corporation or work for a major organization, again, reach out to Fit For Us. We're constantly partnering with companies I, like I mentioned, I do DEIB consultancy work for Fit For mm -hmm. Us. So I would love to come in and work with their organization. We have a wonderful team. I'm not the only one that does that inclusion work, but we have a wonderful team of folks that are willing to work with you now. So just reach out to us and, and extend that branch to us and let's do this work. Acceptance for the trans folks in our community is crucially important, whether you are under the LGBTQ plus umbrella or not. It is not an exaggeration to say that transgender people are under attack throughout our country. Fighting against anti-trans legislation in this moment and beyond is crucially important, but it's also important to create spaces of safety and acceptance. Since many of these hate bills are about banning trans athletes from participating in sports, it's even more important to create an accepting environment in the world of fitness. Ilya Parker, Decolonizing Fitness, and Fit For Us are all doing the work to drive us towards that necessary reality. I will be having more of these conversations, so to hear them as soon as they go live and to support me in my mission to make our world a woker place, consider joining the Woke AF Nation on Patreon at patreon.com slash woke AF. You'll get five full one-hour episodes every week, exclusive interviews, and some fun bonus content. And I'll be back here next week with some exciting news on what's next for the podcast. So stay tuned. Power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.